What happens when your life flashes before your eyes? When everything you know seems meaningless? When everywhere you're supposed to be seems wrong? For some, it's an awakening, a realization that life is fragile, it's fleeting, and it's worth living to the max every day. That's what happened to today's guest on a California freeway on a night that changed his life and set him on a new course around the world. Hey there, Get Lost podcast fans. It's Meredith from the podcast, Meredith For Real, The Curious Introvert. I talk with paradoxical people who share unlikely life lessons, like the happily married swingers who give marriage advice, episode 86. If you like personal development and are ready to meet people outside the algorithm, come visit me at Meredith For Real, The Curious Introvert, wherever you listen to podcasts. You're listening to the Get Lost podcast. Here's your host, Thoughtful writer, wide-eyed explorer, has prettier hair than me, Joe Sills. Welcome back to the Get Lost Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Sills, a freelance journalist for various outlets around the globe. Today's guest is a photographer, travel writer, and backpacker. He's a California native who ditched the world of business finance to become an editor over at Forbes. His name is Jordan Tarver, and he joins us now. Hi, Jordan. Hey, Joe. How's it going? Uh, it's going pretty good, man. How are you doing? I'm good. Just uh, just coming off a, a two-week road trip, so kind of getting my bearings here in Washington again. Yeah, so I saw you were on the road in, it looked like, uh, Grand Tetons and Yellowstone and that part of the American West. Uh, first time? Yeah, first time. Um, first time and just completely in awe the whole time. I think it's, you don't really realize the the specialness and the uniqueness that place holds until you go like set foot there. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think it was a very eye opening and and really cool experience to be out there. Uh, give me a couple highlights. Um, so, I mean, we we almost canceled the trip because like we were talking before the trip because you were out there and I was trying to get conditions. Um, Mm -hmm. but you know, smoke was super heavy. We were getting ready to cancel the trip and, uh, we just decided to go for it. And luckily we get to Montana and the first, within the first hours it was hailing and raining um which was you know a blessing in disguise because it just cleared out all the smoke and so for the next three days we had near perfect conditions um of you know when we originally thought it was going to be you know complete shit and uh we talked to the park staff and they even said it was you know some of the best conditions they had seen all summer so i think uh, that was our reward for taking the risk that's a lucky break because you're right. I was out there maybe a week before you and, and we were camping and filming a project called Outside Ain't Free and we couldn't see shit, man. I mean, it was smoke everywhere. <laughs> like you'd be right in front of a Teton. You couldn't see anything. It was like super apocalyptic uh, driving through the, the woods in the middle of the day, like through Yellowstone. It was just like a red sun. I mean, it noon. It was crazy. Yeah, th- that stuff's weird, especially when it's uh the red sun's coming through and you kind of feel like you're in a movie of some sort. It was like apocalypse now, only there's a <laughs> buffalo, you know, it's just really, really weird. Um so today we want to talk to you about backpacking and some more of your travels. But before we get into that, I just want to congratulate you as a writer on your new book. It's called You Deserve This Shit. Thank you. Thank you. It's been out for actually two months as of we're recording this right now. So um We'll take this as a as a little uh, celebratory day. <laughs> you, well, you deserve this shit, then. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so it's built as get unstuck, find your path, and become the best version of yourself. I've got a copy of it. I've read uh, some of it. I'm not all the way through yet, but uh, tell us about what inspired this book because 
it is a quick read uh, as I've been browsing through it. And it's something that like, it'll really light a fire under your ass. Yeah. Um, I have been heavily dedicated and passionate about self-discovery work um, in my own life. And I think just journeying down my own path and trying to fi- find out, you know, the meaning behind my life and the purpose that I have here has also inspired me to empower people to do the same thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of this strays back to like two really big moments. Um, at the age of 19, I had a close call with death as our um, car slid across a five lane freeway in Orange County. Holy um, crap. And at the time, like it didn't mean much to me because I was so young and it was hard to process. But as I get older, I reflect on it more. And it really was the moment that kind of woke me up and then made me want to just dedicate my life to living with meaning. Um, and between that and then also my solo backpacking trip when I was 21, uh, straight out of college, those two things coupled together uh, really got me excited about searching for more um, and searching for more, not for myself, but for other people too. And so this book is my way of being able to teach the lessons that I've learned in my journey um, to other people that are looking for the help. So take me back through this car crash. All right. Skidding across a five line highway. That's a pretty big deal. What do you remember about that? Yeah. So we were coming back from an event. Um, we had a, a, a full car and we were uh, driving um, in front of an, another car of our friends. Um, so in total, there's 10 of us, five in each car. Mm-hmm. Um, and it looked like, a, you know, we don't know for sure what happened because it happened so quickly, um, but we can speculate on kind of what was going on. But there was a big rig that uh, shifted lanes. And my guess is that uh, one of the cars was in the blind spot. And so he swerved, big rig not knowing he was there. He swerved into our lane. We swerved. And mind you, we're going 80, 85 miles an hour. So it's not a lot of control when you're swerving um, mm-hmm. at that speed. And mm-hmm. they clipped us. Uh, we fell on the passenger side door. So I was sitting behind the passenger seat. So it was my uh, door side was down on the asphalt. And we began just to slide directly across the freeway. Luckily, it was at nighttime. So the traffic happened to be lighter. And by the luck of whoever is up there, there had been no cars passing at all um, behind us. And so our car slid um, probably about like 50 yards. Wow. Um, and the other car did two full rotations and landed tire side up. Uh, but really the thing that sticks out the most to me was as we were sliding, it was one of those moments where I was like, oh shit, like I never thought I'd be here. Everything was in slow-mo. I never thought my life would be flashing in front of my eyes. And, and mm-hmm. I still remember to this day, just whispering under my breath, um, please don't die, please don't die, please don't die. Uh, and that's something that has stuck with me uh, forever um, as a really defining moment. Because I think in the moment, I was really scared to lose my life. And I realized that how fragile everything really is. And, and luckily, um, our car came to a complete stop, like probably five feet before the center divider. Um, wow. And what's even crazier is that night, every single person walked away and slept in their own bed and no one um, was severely injured. And not not to be uh, harsh or anything, but like someone should have died that night. And, uh, we were very fortunate that we all got away safe. Um, and yeah, it was a really scary moment and something that, you know, I don't wish upon anyone. And, uh, you know, I never thought it would happen to myself. Had you ever been in a car accident before? Fender benders, but nothing, nothing of this caliber. And so when the car started fishtailing, it just was, it was, it was freaky. It's, it's hard to explain, um, how freaky that is when everything goes in slow-mo and you really are conscious about what is about to happen to you. Um, and you're just like hoping for the best, but you really can't do anything cause you're, you're totally out of control at that point. I think in a, in a vehicle like that, there's always a feeling of control you have cause you got tires, you you're like mm-hmm. in a compartment, you're in a bubble. And then when things go awry, you become aware very quickly that you're a human being made of bone and skin going 85 miles an hour. Yeah. And that's not good. <laughs> it's not going to take much to, um, to, I guess, really put you in a, a serious injury. So you're really young when this happens, at least to you and me, you would be really young. Um, and how does that affect your life going forward? Are you afraid to ride with other people? Do you get weird when you're driving around town? Or is it just kind of like, wow, I'm glad that that shook me and woke me up? Um, I get, I mean, even to, 
this day, I still get a little weird around uh, big rigs uh, when I'm driving. I don't have a fear of being in a car or being uh, in a car with other people and driving around town. It's more of if I'm on a freeway driving fast, anytime I drive by a big rig, it's nearly impossible to not think about that moment because I know the big rig started the the ripple effect of um, the cars kind of colliding. Yeah. Um, it's not so much that I can't drive. Um, but it is a thought in the back of my head. Um, so I just like, if I'm driving, I'm like conscious about, you know, how close I am to the big rigs. Can I speed past them and, you know, not drive close and just making sure I'm, I'm leaving myself an out. Yeah. So, so you move on from that, you go to college and you get a degree in business finance, Mm -hmm. um, which is not exactly the, the route to travel writing, uh, (laughs) But I don't know. I mean, how many travel writers do you really know that actually went to like J school and did all the things? I don't know. I feel like the the more people I meet, the more people I realize are maybe self-taught through their own inspiration. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of how, you know, my writing craft came about. It was on my backpacking trip I went on. I, I brought a journal for the first time ever with me. And, and that's how I really fell in love with the craft. And I think I, I'm meeting more and more people that, you know, their profession might not be aligned with the exact thing they studied in school. Oh yeah. That's a hundred percent. Uh, I wanted to be an Egyptologist and but <laughs> if I'm lucky, I could interview one now. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it didn't exactly work out. Um, but today I want to talk to you about your backpacking trip and it's really the crux of our episode, uh, specifically, mm-hmm. uh, one destination in particular, and that's Portugal. Before we get to Portugal, I want you to just tell us a little bit about the trip as a whole. Where did the idea come from um, and how did you prepare? Yeah, so um, I'm the youngest of four. Uh, My three older siblings all had traveled um, right after college. And so that felt like uh, the normal path for me. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm very fortunate to have parents that never uh, assumed a path um, for me to take. And they kind of gave me the free reins to follow what felt right in my heart um, and what felt good for me in the next best step. And so they didn't uh, set expectations of me going into uh, the workforce right out of college. Okay. And so that gave, that gave me the freedom to play with the idea of what, what does Jordan Tarver want to do next after I graduate? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when I really started to think about, you know, a long-term trip. And at first I didn't want to go by myself. I was very, just not a very confident person. Mm-hmm. Um, it was very out of character for me to go um, alone. And so I originally had someone I was going with, um, a friend from college. We had planned this trip, uh, but about three months leading up to the trip, he actually scored a job that um, needed to have him in New York City to train during that summer, which okay. obviously means he can't go on the trip. And so I'm faced with my first challenge of the trip before the trip even starts. <laughs> Corporate <Am> America I- <laughs> deals its first blow to you. <laughs> Exactly. And so the question is like, am I going to still do this? And then am I going to do this alone or am I going to find a new friend? And Before we dive into today's adventure, I want to take a quick break to talk to you about Parker Prince. Before I was traveling the world, I was sweating it out at Parker Prince, designing t-shirts and working one-on-one with customers. I speak from first-hand experience when I tell you that they're giving the best customer experience in the t-shirt business over at Parker Prince. You get none of that anonymous corporate runaround here. When you order custom shirts from Parker Prince, you are personally taken care of by a member of their family. Whether that's Skylar in the art department, Catherine in production, or Kathy at the top of the totem pole. Parker Prince is the place to go when your business, group, or event needs custom t-shirts. When you make that call, you're getting the best prices and best service on the planet. You can find out more information about them, parkerprintsonline.com. That's parkerprintsonline.com. Trust me, I know how great these guys are. Not only was I an intimate part of their family for so long, I still use Parker Prints today to make t-shirts and merchandise for this show, the Get Lost Podcast. So check them out, parkerprintsonline.com. They're shipping nationwide. As I thought about it more, I think, um, I think it was a test maybe from like the universe that they, someone wanted to up there, wanted to see if I was going to, you know, test my abilities, get outside my comfort zone and try something different. And eventually after thinking about it uh, for quite some time, uh, I just decided that it probably is best I went alone. I think it would uh, give me the most benefit of my life and would be a good challenge. And 
you asked my mom to this day and, and, and she's, she says how surprised uh, she was when I told her I was going to be doing this alone because, again, it was very, very out of character for me to do something like that. Um, but, and, you know, to this day, I'm, I'm very grateful um, that it happened that way. Did you know anything about backpacking going in? Not much besides like what my siblings have told me from, you know, their ventures uh, around Europe and Southeast Asia. But mm-hmm. no, because I wasn't doing any serious backpacking, you know, in the States or anything like that, um, like in the backcountry or anything. And so it really was just this whole new ball game for me uh, to learn. You know. <laughs> so you're like, I'm going to go to REI. I'm going to get a bag. I'm going to do this and this and this. I'm like, learn how to pack it and carry everything on the plane. So like, TSA doesn't lose my stuff or the airline or whatever. <laughs> yeah, which which did happen a few times, but I guess you you learn your lessons here and there on uh, uh, when you should check it and when you should bring it on board. Yeah, well, there's some countries that'll just straight up take your stuff. UK. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, what's the overall plan for the trip? I mean, you've got all your gear, you're ready to go. You're you know green as an apple, and like, where are you gonna go? First stop is um, London. Uh, whereas I was going first, the, the original plan was, um, and we'll get into this more as we talk, um, you know, later into the story, but the, the original plan was to go for five and a half weeks, you know, simple, easy, quick, Mm -hmm. uh, just enough to be homesick, but not enough to, um, yeah, just, just like right on the cusp of, of being, you know, too much or, or just right. Right. Uh, and so I get, get to London and of course, like the first thing I do is take the train the opposite way. And I think that, (laughs) that was, uh. Just a, a funny way to start the trip and just kind of a reality check me a little bit. Uh-huh. Um, and so the, the plan was to just travel by train um, basically from London, fly across to uh, Amsterdam and then travel to Eastern Europe and then all the way west to Portugal was uh, the original idea. So you're basically just going to you're going to get your feet wet in the UK easy enough. Uh, except you managed to somehow take a train the wrong way when everything's in English. <laughs> right. Um, which is fine. Like, look, I'm going there next week. I'll probably do the same damn thing. Uh, <laughs> so you're going to get your feet wet there, and then you're going to branch out a little bit and basically train surf across Eastern Europe and then back into Western Europe. Yeah, yeah. So um work my way through uh, Amsterdam, and I think after Amsterdam I went to uh, Berlin, and then made my way to um, like Budapest, Prague, um, in that area. And then after those two locations was when I started um, to head back west and just yeah. make it all the way across. But if if I know you a little bit already, you're a photographer, right? Mm-hmm. So at each one of these places, you've probably got a list in your head of shots you want to get or places you've got to see or just moments you want to have, correct? Yeah, and I think at the time that was early on in my uh, photography career and photography craft. And so I think I would, have very, I would definitely have a different approach nowadays if I went over there of what I'd be looking for. Yeah. And so I think for that trip, I was really just trying to, trying to capture the story of just everything that was going on because it was, everything was so fresh and new and you know, meeting different people, experiencing different cultures um, and changing atmospheres and the surroundings on, you know, a, four to five day basis. So things are, you know, changing rapidly. So for me, it was just important to capture everything that was very interesting around me. It didn't have to be, you know, a national park or this like beautiful scenery, just capture the raw moment of what was happening. So in years to come, I can like look back and almost retell that story to myself. Yeah. Right. Cause on your first backpacking trip before you're like an old salt, even the act of traveling is a thrill just yes. the trains, everything you see. I mean, the McDonald's that has different <laughs> stuff in it is is really exciting. It's all really cool. And you've got your journal and you're writing it all down. Yeah. And so I think you got the photos um, and then you also have the journal piece, which is just a different medium and way to tell a story. You know, a photo can capture the moment and evoke some sort of emotion. But I think the journaling added a layer of what I was really going through and what I was experiencing and how those experiences were really impacting me. Um, And so I feel like that journal just added another dimension to the trip for myself. And that's really why I wanted to bring a journal was because I wanted to make this trip mean more than just uh, a tour of Europe. I wanted it to add value to my life and I wanted it to be able to add value to other people's lives um, 
through the things that I've learned. So we're going to get into t- today's story now. Uh, we've sort of set the backdrop. Uh, mm-hmm. You've got this journal. Uh, you're really trying to learn, self-improve, because that's your nature. Um, you're a little baby, Jordan, though, at the moment. So you're not a badass author yet. <laughs> um, Far from it. Yeah. So you do get to Portugal, though, and that's when things start to get very interesting. Yeah. So Portugal was the final stop. Um coming from Paris at the time and my sister actually lived in Paris um, I think she had been there for about two or three years um, and so we met up in Paris and she wanted to travel and I was like great, like, this would be a cool way to cap off the trip and it was some family, I haven't had familiar faces around me for the last you know, couple months um, and so it was exciting and so it was, was like okay well I'm going to Portugal um, and she had actually been to this surf hostel in uh, the south of Portugal, in mm-hmm. Sagres. Mm-hmm. Um, and she said, we should go there. We should meet up there. And I said, great. Um, we didn't travel there together, but we were going to meet up there. And so I went from Paris um, to Lisbon. Okay. Did you um, fly or you took a train? Flew from Paris to Lisbon. Okay. Um, that was one of the few flights I took um, other than London to Amsterdam. Yeah. But you could do that for probably 100 bucks. Yeah, it was, it was cheap. It was, it's not like flying uh, domestically here. <laughs> it's a fraction of the cost. So um, it was an easy thing to swallow in my budget, uh, my budget-friendly trip. Uh, so you get to, you get to um, Lisbon, which is a great city, one, to visit on your own. Like, there's so much to do in Lisbon, but I had this desire to get to the south of Portugal to surf. Um, and so I stayed in Lisbon for just a night. Just uh, get there, have a couple of drinks at the hostel, um, crash. It's pretty early. And then wake up in the morning and the journey to Sagres, Portugal is a little uh, I guess that's where it started to get more interesting, the travel. Because before when you're moving you know, from Italy and across to like Spain or even just through Italy, the rail lines are super simple and right. everything is, is dialed in there and, and it makes it feel comfortable and you don't really have to think twice. Mm-hmm. But it's not like that in Portugal, especially when you're going to the, the southernmost tip. And so I had to take a couple buses to Sagres. Now, I'm, I'm trying to remember exactly how many legs it was, but um, I took a bu- Oh, yeah. So I took a bus from Lisbon to Lagos, which is just above Sagres. Mm-hmm. And then um, – and. I don't have any service at all. I have, you know, my phone, but it's not connected to a card or anything because I uh, just was using my phone on Wi-Fi. Right. So it's basically so, just an iPod. Yes, basically. Um, so I don't have any contact with my sister. And so this is uh, just kind of like a Hail Mary, like, hey, we'll, we'll see each other when we get there kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so I'm at the Lagos bus stop to get to Sagres and like, don't have service, so I can't really like, check up on the buses and all the times they're coming. So I just had to go wait there for like the next one. Uh-huh. Um, and I think I was there for like three hours, just kind of waiting for the next bus to come, not knowing if you know my sister already got there and, and is wondering where I am. Um, and so all these like just thoughts are going through my head because it's so I'm so out of my comfort zone and just out there right now um completely alone and vul- vul- vulnerable excuse me um and finally you know the, bu- the bus arrives and it's kind of you know a moment of relief we'll say uh and so i get on the bus and then it's a four-hour leg to sagres um and so take the bus to sagres um we are staying at a basically a surf shack we'll call it um it's a hostel but it really just had that shack feel to it and so pull up to Sagres and it's it's much different than anywhere I've ever been um, over the last six weeks you know it's 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 very small town there's no uh, besides the buses and there's no big public transportation there's no nightlife really like there is in like Italy or Spain um, so what's there the, like what's in front of you you just you get off of the bus and so yeah actually I get off of the bus and and Right off the bus, there's this abandoned, like, it looked like it was an old hotel almost. Mm-hmm. 
um, completely abandoned. And at first I was kind of uncomfortable. I was like, oh shit, like, where are we? <laughs> I've never heard of this place. My sister just told me to go here. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm supposed to meet her here. Kind of like, it felt, it, it had this weird, like, maybe I, my guard was up a little bit, but it had a little bit of a sketchy vibe to it. Okay. Um, and, you know, it, it ended up not being like that, but I think I was just unsure and uncertain about what was going on that I, I was kind of just... Uh, you know, on guard for whatever at well, the time. I mean, even though you've been backpacking now for a couple of weeks, you're still pretty green and you're still on edge about things, especially people are probably running around speaking Portuguese. Um, yeah. You don't exactly know what's going on. So you're just like reading the scene with your eyes and the tone of things. Exactly. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm, I'm definitely judging a book by its cover at this point. Let's put mm-hmm. it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I get off the bus and it's a it's a pretty short walk to where the the surf shack is, um, mm-hmm. which happens to be situated right behind that building. I'm like, oh great, I get to walk by this <laughs> this uh, shady building and 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 see what it's all about. So, mm-hmm. you know, walk down the path. It's very the Portuguese. It just has a very specific uh, look to it. It's very different than anything I'd seen on my trip. It felt very almost dusty in a way. Okay. Um, I, <laughs> I felt like I was just somewhere a bit dirtier than I had been my whole my whole rest of the trip and it and then maybe even a little more underdeveloped of what I was expecting yeah so basically um, you're in real adventure territory yeah th- this felt like I was off the beaten path mm-hmm. um which you know turns out to be a good thing um but but on first arrival it was kind of eye-opening like oh maybe this isn't where I want to be I don't know so you know, walking down, just trying to make sure I get to the place in one piece. Mm-hmm. Um, around the corner, go past that building, just kind of looking at it, a little weird, not sure, like, all right, this is a hostel over here. Like, I, this, did I pick, you know, did we pick a good hostel? Um, around the corner, it turns out, like, you know, it, it, it's a great hostel. That building, you know, is not sketchy. Um, that was just me being on edge. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I arrive at the hostel, and, and my sister's chilling in the back already with a beer popped. And, you know, uh, she's like, like, Why do you look freaked out? <laughs> Why do you look freaked out? And where the hell are, where, like, where the hell have you been? So um, <laughs> eventually get there, and all is good. Um, and that was kind of the journey from Lisbon. And uh, it just felt maybe more challenging than the other places I you know, travel in between because it was a different type of travel and it was just much more confusing and, um, you know, the, the other rail systems I was dealing with, but I think it was a good challenge. I think it really, um, was symbolic that the, you know, the final stop of my trip actually was maybe the, the thing that kind of pushed me further outside my comfort zone mm-hmm. because the trip was so much about being outside my comfort zone. It was like the, you know, the final test, the final boss. Um, uh, and so, that was like the journey there and then the whole the whole reason why we wanted to go here was to surf and my sister had been to this area um years in the past yeah. um, and portugal is well known for world-class surf yes yeah and so there's good surf you know all up and down from north to south um and so we were staying at the surf hostel um and the bus or the the beach that we're going to uh praia do amado which was about maybe an hour by car mm-hmm. um and at, th- at this area of portugal there there is only car travel oh There's okay no... so you get to the hostel but you're still an hour from the break yeah so th- the break is just it's up um the coast a little bit east in a way mm-hmm. um and again we're on the southernmost tip so if you were to look on a map and you would look to portugal and you go to the southernmost tip it's it's sagras is the last city there um mm-hmm. it's on the bluff mm-hmm. and so we're we're an hour away from the break um, which is the break that is most conveniently located to that um, hostel. Okay. And so they have they have buses or they have um, passenger like cars, vans they take um, from the hostel to and from. But I can't remember the reason. But my sister and I, I think we didn't want to spend the money. I really think that was the reason. I think we both were kind of like had that budget mode on. You know, when you get in your travel and you you just kind of try to cut corners here <laughs> yeah, and there yeah like oh might, like fuck it like might as well do this save a couple bucks and right it, like i've already it, done this and this and this so i might as well keep saving money yeah and so we, we were in that state i mean me especially being you know five weeks on the on the the road and right. just ready to to stop spending money um 
And so we figured it was like, you know, 40 euro or something like that to go to and from. And she was like, hey, like, actually Portugal has like a, a decent hitchhiking community. And I was like, what? How does like, she know that? So she had been there. She had been to Portugal, had done similar types of travel, and I guess had either friends that have told her that it's a little bit easier than it would be in the States. Okay. Um, and so she kind of had like some knowing of some sort that that made us confident that we could pull this off and not feel like we were going to get like abducted. Okay. And what's her name? Lauren. So, okay. So it's Jordan and Lauren and Lauren's like, let's go on this uh, hitchhiking thing. I did it before. It'll be fine. Yeah. So Lauren, she's my older sister, uh, four years older than me. Um, so we're together at the hostel going to the beach for the first day. Um, and so this is our first time or my first time hitchhiking, which is, Again, very far outside of my comfort zone, very far outside of many people's comfort zones. I think it's a uh, on edge thing to do, yeah. uh, to say the least. Well, if most Americans probably would not be comfortable with hitchhiking. Yeah, but as we started to do it, it kind of got weirdly exciting. Like it was kind of exhilarating. It was like a game. Like who's going to pick me up? Tell me about who, the first who, ride. Yeah, so uh, the first ride was we got picked up by a couple f- people from. I think they're f- from Portugal. I think they're n- native to that area. Mm-hmm. Um, and so obviously language barrier uh, it was massive. Mm-hmm. Uh, couldn't communicate too much, but um, they knew exactly where we needed to go. Uh, we were, I think that ride was, it was pretty quick to get picked up. Um, we didn't have much trouble. It got harder the the next two rides um, but so the first ride it, it felt like it was like a, a an easy introduction like hey like we could do this kind mm-hmm. of thing mm-hmm. um, and it got us to the beach um, and then the the ride back let's see yeah the, the ride back from the beach um, this guy picked us up in his van uh, big like like if you imagine like van life here in the states imagine that but uh portugal yeah cool. um, s- seems legit so, yeah <laughs> surfer dude dog in the car long hair probably hasn't showered in a couple days mm-hmm. um uh but exactly what i would expect um and so that was that was easy because we could talk to someone at the beach um and you know kind of sort out a ride before like getting on the road mm-hmm. um but the third ride was really the interesting one the third ride was the one that was turned out to be the most exciting so it was um i think it was day two and we were having some trouble uh getting someone to pick us up going to the same place and then my sister had this idea that maybe it was because they didn't like want to maybe take two people or if if they felt you know uh they were trying to i don't know just maybe they were worried about who was coming in the car, things yeah. like that. And it could so, be a setup. You guys could be like hardened criminals working together to hustle yeah, people it, that are trying to take travelers to the surf break. Exactly. And classic so, story. <laughs> 100%. So what we did was my sister was like, all right, I'm just going to go out on the road and put my thumb out. You go hide in the, in like the bushes over oh, here. God. Okay. And so, Seems and then like when the worst idea, <laughs> and then eventually when the car pulls up, like you'll kind of just walk around and be like, oh, hey, it's like two of us. And uh-huh. so eventually, you know, a couple you, cars are, you know, they pass you. It, it, it's not a, it's not a first try kind of gig out there when you're doing hitchhiking. Mm-hmm. Um, but eventually it works and someone pulls over, um, both show up happy to take us both to the, the beach. And it turns out they're from California. And we're originally from California. We're originally from the Bay Area, um, just north of San Francisco in the wine country. Um, And so it was nice because it was no language barrier. They were really nice people. They're from Half Moon Bay, which is very close to home for us. And it was very – the the coincidence of those people picking us up in Sagres, Portugal, uh, you know, was very unexpected and and slim. Right. Um, You know, because you're basically from the same part of the world. Exactly. I mean – because how far away we were from home, you could assume that, yeah, we're, we're basically neighbors. Right. Um, right. And so get in the car with them, and uh, they're happy to take us to the beach. And he, the driver, um, I don't remember their names, but he needed to go pick up papers uh, to roll cigarettes. Um, and right. we're like, cool. Like, 
as long as we make it to the beach, we'll go on your, your cigarette journey with you. Right, side uh, quests. Yeah, and you know, it turned out to be actually a really cool thing because on the way to find his papers, you know, it's not like the states where you, you drive up and there's a supermarket or a, you know, like an easy liquor shop to stop on the side. You gotta freaking go find this thing. Mm -hmm. um, and so we went to this like random side village uh, don't even know the name. It could have been still within Sagres, but it was almost like this little um, interesting community kind of like situated up on this hill uh, with really small like stone roads. And if it wasn't for us, you know, hitchhiking and kind of stepping outside our comfort zones, we never really would have made it into this even more off the beaten path that turned out to be this really cool area of um, Sagres. Okay. And so we kind of were blessed with this, you know, side experience that we weren't expecting and so we just while he was getting his cigarette uh papers uh, rolling papers at you know this little little market i guess we'll call it we kind of just roamed around this this small little portuguese village and i think that again added another layer to the trip and uh just really reminds you of of what i think the unexpected beauties of travel what really. did you find in the village um, it was, I mean, it was pretty quiet when we were there. Um, mm -hmm. pretty small. There was, it was mostly like residential stuff. And then that market on the corner, which it sold like, uh, you know, like beverages and like souvenir kind of, uh, items, I guess we'll call them. Mm -hmm. Um, but we were, we were there for a brief moment. We didn't stay for long because we were, you know, beelining for the break. So, um, eventually make it to the beach but it was just such a cool experience because we took the risk or i guess i felt like i took a risk um hitchhiking because it was something i never done before it wasn't something that was deemed comfortable at home in california at the time right um it's just not something many people want to do or you know many people don't even pick up hitchhikers like i see them on the road and you kind of drive by them um but to actually do that and take the risk and be uh, I guess blessed with this other experience that we weren't expecting, I think just added this beauty and reminder um, to the moment of how special you know travel can be and how awesome it is when you really take yourself away from your you know familiar zone, your home, um, and what really comes with um, going out on the road and and being vulnerable and being open to you know opportunities that come your way. So tell us about the surfing part of this as you're out there um, in the waves and you're getting ready to hop on one. Are you thinking about this hitchhiking at all or are you just like in the moment completely? No, I think by the time we got to the beach, I was just stoked to be at the beach. Mm -hmm. um, being from California and, and living in Orange County, Southern California for, uh, what was it, about four years at the time, I was really into surfing. And so this was a really big part of the trip for me because... I hadn't surfed up to this point and it felt like it would just be a really cool experience to be able to surf, you know, in a foreign country. Right. Uh, so we were just, you know, psyched to be at the beach, excited that we got there in one piece kind of thing. Um, the swell wasn't as good as we wished it would have been, mm -hmm. but we still had the opportunity to surf waves in Portugal. Um, and that was, that's all I really needed. Um, right. Yeah. And that's all I really was looking for. I wasn't looking for the prime, you know, best wave. I was just looking for something to surf so I could just have that experience for the first time um, and kind of open my you know, eyes to the travel and surfing world. Do you remember your thoughts as you as you head home that day or back to the hostel? Um, what did you write in your journal that night? Do you know, oh, that'd be actually really interesting to look back on um, to see what I what exactly I wrote but I mean thinking about it now I think I kind of was just in a in a, a moment of like what is really going on like mm -hmm. this is this is it had to, this experience in this moment and just this whole I guess you know four or five day stint in Portugal really just it turned like a new leaf in my backpacking trip it really took it from this easy kind of like very perfect flow you know european uh exploration into this like adventurous 
uh, like kind of off the cuff, off the beaten path, like within a snap of a finger. So uh, I think what it, what you're talking about is sometimes when you travel to places that are well-worn, even if they're outside of the States, you can more or less be on autopilot, right? Yes, 100%. More or less, especially like big European capitals. I mean, there's a lot to see and soak in, but it doesn't challenge your brain in the way that hitchhiking in a country where you don't speak the language in small towns with very rural populations and you know the only people there are locals and surfers mm-hmm. or surfing locals and that can <laughs> you know that's, that's not always a recipe for uh, a good time <laughs> yeah sometimes it's a recipe to get punched in the face right oh yeah yeah so I, I think you managed to get yourself off autopilot at the very end of this trip and then it goes on to have an enormous impact on the rest of your life in a positive way. hundred percent. Yeah. And like it, I think at that moment I realized like when I was doing these more non autopilot, I guess that's manual yeah. <laughs> um, ty- types of types of traveling. I think it made me realize how much I really enjoyed uh, being out there and how much I really enjoyed uh backpacking and being somewhere unfamiliar and it just made me it made me really not want to return home it made me want to continue the trip so i continue having these experiences that added value to my life um and on the last day in the hostel or the second sorry the last night in the hostel um so my flight was in the morning to go home Mm -hmm. i was there sitting there with my sister kind of winding down kind of closing up shop with the friends we had met who we would surf with the people at the hostel having some drinks uh, kind of, you know, gathering all the the gear back in the bag of, of, you know, it's been like thrown around the hostel room the last couple of days. Um, and just like really like kind of bummed, like, dang, I'm not, I'm not ready to go. Like, I don't feel like going home is actually the right step for me. I don't think that's the next best step in my life. Uh-oh. Um, and I just had this urge to message uh, a hostel I stayed with in, in Barcelona that I really f- fell in love with if they needed, you know, any help at the hostel. Uh-huh. And, you know, they were very quick to respond. They were looking for volunteers um, and it just felt like perfect timing. And so I was there, you know, wrapping up my stay in Portugal, getting ready to go home or so I thought. And I was talking to my sister and I was like, hey, just talk to these people at the hostel in Barcelona. You know, I'm single at the time. I don't have a job at home. I also don't have a place that's waiting for me. So I'm moving home. I'm going to be, you know, sleeping on a buddy's couch uh, with no money and no income. And, you know, so there's nothing really pulling me back. I don't have any responsibilities. There's no reason to go back to California. Right. It felt, <laughs> it felt almost stupid to leave in a way. Yeah. It felt, it felt, yeah, it just didn't feel right. And so my sister actually encouraged me. She's like, well, go. Like, go back to Barcelona if you're not ready. And if, if you have a job there, um, then what's the point of going home? There's no point of going home. You're just going to fall back into the rat race of, uh, you know, the, the, the track and the ladder that everyone says you're supposed to go on. She's right about that. And sure enough. Yeah, she was. And and she was so right that, you know, I, I canceled my flight, uh, booked another flight from Portugal to uh, Barcelona and extended my trip for another month and a half. So you were gone an additional month and a half and you're in Barcelona, you're at the hostel um, what do you think the difference in that last month versus the first month of being gone was in what you learned? Well, it was really nice to finally have a place that I could call home. Um, I was staying in a flat with, uh, the people that I worked with. And so it felt like I could actually kind of like settle down for once and like slow down, kind of get into some sort of routine. Um, and it just, it really allowed me to still exist in the the travel mindset, mm-hmm. but also give me space to reflect on the trip within that mindset. So I was able to maybe not return to, uh, you know, the stressors of everyday life if I went back to the States and uh, the different kind of, you know, challenges that I had to face with like trying to get to find a job and, you know, joining the workforce and paying these, you know, rent and bills and things like that. And so if I had done that, I think that would have, um, got in the way of, of that self-reflection phase. And so being at the hostel, I didn't have much of that yet. And so I was still existing in this very, like, let's call it like a euphoric travel mindset, but having a place to call home, it just allowed me to really reflect and almost like collect all the lessons 
that I had learned over these last you know, five to six weeks and kind of piece them together in my mind and start to implement them and start to become maybe that person that um, I would be if I were to marry all the lessons that I had learned um, throughout those, the weeks that I was actually you know, traveling by train. I think you were able to use that time to write your own script and to decide as someone who's completely out there on your own, who do I want to be now? Mm-hmm. Because my support system, I mean, it's there, but I'm not with it. And I get to choose who I want to be in this next chapter versus your friend who went to New York and trained. When you got back, did you get in touch with that friend? Um, not as much as you think. Um, I think our paths just had kind of moved in opposite directions. Um, I had been closer with some other buddies when I got back. Um, I was sleeping on their couch for like two months before I found a place myself, but um, I didn't, we didn't get together to like talk about maybe what would have been if we went or, you know, how his life was different than mine by staying back. But I think that's an interesting point, even just to think about, because it's almost like, if you think about it, it's really almost like a parallel universe. If I look at those two people and I self-identify as both of them, you know, there's one that, that could have been my path if I took, you know, the corporate route. That could have been me. I could have been training in New York. I could have been training in California. But then you have this other universe, which was me leaving. And I think if I just kind of remove him, but just see the the role he stepped into and see the role that I was in in travel and, and imagine those as, you know, both potential opportunities of my life, you know, at the time I could have decided to go each way and just seeing how much value I was given by choosing the route that I chose. Yeah, there's a, a reason the nomadic life attracts a lot of people. And we do have an episode about a guy, different circumstances, but he ends up on Wall Street and does that and ultimately goes a little crazy and goes to Peru to become a cage fighter. So maybe, <laughs> you know, could have been you, dude. Could have been yeah, you. Yeah, could have been me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, as we kind of wind down here, uh, I want to ask you about that cool down time and Looking at travel today, obviously in 2013, when you're doing this backpacking trip, uh, I was, geez, I was three years, that was three years before I would go and do a very similar trip. Um, But I remember travel before the pandemic was like, next place, next place, gotta go, gotta go, next Mm -hmm. place, next place, blah, blah, blah. Like adventure, adventure, uh, photo shoot, maybe write a blog, keep going. Yeah. But I think your Barcelona experience is probably where travel is headed. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, do you mean like more settled down kind of experience? I mean, like go somewhere for a month and chill. Yeah, I think um, I've done, I've actually gone back to Barcelona and and done like a two and a half week stint in just one location, like one, you know, um, Airbnb kind of vibe. Yeah. Um, But I think that definitely is a good idea because depending on, you know, the various travel restrictions we're going to be facing moving forward and they're going to, I don't think they'll ever be con- consistent wherever we go, which, right. which adds a layer of difficulty to travel. Yeah. Um, that it does make it easier if you're able to, you know, travel month to month. And that's something that me and my fiance have talked about. You know, we, um, I'm actually an Italian citizen as well. And so we want to move to Italy eventually. Um, and we want to kind of, do something similar where, you know, we're in Europe for, let's say we're there for a year, but Mm -hmm. we're not in the same place for that year. We're doing, you know, a month or two months at different locations. And I think the the benefit of that style of traveling and the reason why I like the sound of it is because it gives you enough time to settle in as, as, as a local, we'll call it, to understand the culture, understand the community, become a part of the community and really take part in the lifestyle that, someone who maybe grew up there or is going to college there experiences rather than when you're traveling on the go, bouncing around three to four days at each location, you don't get that same type of experience. You get the surface level, you get seeing the, you know, the main attractions and and things like that. And so when you're able to, you know, drop your bags for a month or two months, you really can settle in and, and, and just embrace, like engulf yourself in everything that place offers. 
So final thoughts on backpacking for somebody that's never done it before and they're considering buying a bag and just hitting the highway. What would you mm-hmm. tell them? Um, I carried a 60 liter. I think that is a pretty good size to start with in terms of gear. Yeah. Um, I think the, the, and this applies to a lot of things in life, at least from my perspective, the best way to learn is by doing. And so you could do all the research in the world online before you go, but there is no better lesson than you'll learn while you're on the road. And so, you know, when you're preparing for your first trip, nerves are expected. Nerves Mm -hmm. are normal. Um, Uncertainty is normal. But just know once you get out there, you'll learn how to exist. You'll learn how to operate um, in this new nomadic style. And if you can just take that energy and take that attitude into it, I think it's going to add a lot more excitement and just being open to whatever may come your way and, and being okay with that. And it might be a little different than your, you know, your normal routine and you don't maybe have the same routine on the, on the road or overseas. But, um, I think for any beginner, it's just, just know that you're going to learn so much out there and you're going to quickly adapt to that new lifestyle. There's going to, you know, you'll be fine. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And maybe one day we'll get you back on and break down backpacking for beginners. Uh, yeah, we haven't done a how to, but it might be a good thing to do for the audience. So that'd be interesting. Guys, you can follow Jordan on Instagram at Jordan Tarver, T-A-R-V-E-R, uh, or go to jordantarver.com where you can actually download the first chapter of You Deserve This Shit. Uh, super interesting book. I can't wait to finish it up. And um, I'm going to blame you for being hyper productive for the next like year or so. <laughs> I'll, I'll take that blame. <laughs> thanks, man. I appreciate having you on. Yeah, thanks for having me. The Get Lost Podcast is a production of Sold Outside Exploration Company. Follow us on Instagram at Get Lost Podcast for updates, prizes, and more. 